This is episode 42 of the Purely Pigskin Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Noyd, and with me once again this week is my good buddy, Colin Bannister. We had a great time last week. Colin, I'm glad you're back to uh, join us again to talk about week three. There was so much that went on. How's it going? I'm doing well, Pete. Yeah, I had a lot of fun last week because I, I've, as we talked about, the games have been really interesting, right? And so it's uh, it's not about just watching one game, but but uh, I think it's been a great start to the season. So it's uh, week three was not uh, not bad at all in that realm. So it's going to be fun to talk about it. Absolutely. And I look forward to getting to a lot of the action that went down in week three. But first off, hot off the presses, I don't know if you heard this uh, today, but are you, are you a fan of Tom Hanks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know who isn't a fan of Tom Hanks? Uh, well, the paparazzi after he they tripped up uh, they tripped up his wife there. I don't know how long ago that was, but I uh, guess yeah, he must not be a fan. But you know who else is? Tom Hanks is not a fan of Tom Hanks apparently. Oh, I, I I saw this headline. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. He yeah, says, he says he's only done four good movies in his life, and I thought four. <laughs> I mean, I understand you pushing yourself to the limit, being hard on yourself and, and this and that, but four, come on. Well, I, if he, if he's saying that a, a good film that it, he did, or sorry, a, a film that he did that wasn't good was Castaway. I agree because I fell asleep, but if he's, um, <laughs> if he's, if he's including Castaway in the, in the four, I don't know what four he, he mentioned, then he and I have nothing to talk about really. Well, this is the this is the debate now. Is is what are what are Tom Hanks's? What are the four that he meant? But perhaps more importantly, and for our purposes, do you have a top four Tom Hanks movies? Well, I for me, it's um, the role that he played in uh, the baseball movie. Um, yeah, A League of uh, Their Own. A League of Their Own. I, I thought he was he was awesome. I you know I know it wasn't a Tom Hanks movie, but the role he played was fabulous. So I would put that up there because it was just so, so all over the place in a, in a genre, you know, it, it was, it was filmed in Cooperstown, New York, the, the baseball scenes where I visited so I could relate to it. And I just thought he really captured what you perceive as old time baseball. So that was, that was really well done. The all time favorite, like you can't, how can you ever not say that your number one Tom Hanks movie is Forrest Gump? Yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be because it's the most unique. I think it's the most unique movie, period. doesn't matter who's in it, but the story and what they did there, most unique movie that I've ever seen. And he was, he was incredible. So that's number one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I got Forrest Gump number one for me and I got a league of their own number two. Uh, I actually liked Castaway. I have it at my number three movie. Oh, really? I just, very small uh, movie, but uh <laughs> And he's obviously trapped on the island, but I just thought, you know, in terms of an acting piece, like I thought he did really well. Oh, I, in the world. I, I would give you, but it just, it was just like watching one dude for over an hour. Cause that was yeah. the island scene was over an hour. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, that's just it. Right. And I and guess just, for some people he could hold them and others like yourself. Oh, maybe he couldn't he couldn't. Hold me, no, I just, <laughs> you know, once he got off the island, once before he got to the island and after I was okay with it, but you know, after yeah. 40 minutes of the island, I was like, okay, please. Like, Live or die, do something. Like, yeah, the, you know, so. The part that annoyed me, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, it's been long enough, hopefully. I would but think so. The, 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 the thing that got me riled up was that he got home finally and has found out his wife had moved on. <laughs> I hated that. I was so mad. Like, this, this man's been toiling for years and you just move on? 
No, but she didn't. She didn't do it right away. It's been no, like four I know, years. I know. It's, it's know? meant so, to pose a problem. It, you know, that that like, was a great part of the movie, though. You it really made you think, right? And that whole scene with him and Helen Hunt when he finally gets to see her and she gives back the truck, blah blah blah. I that was I, I've watched that on YouTube that scene over and over again because I thought it was very compelling. But yeah, it just it just took a while to get there. Somebody elbowed me after he got off the island. I was like, okay, okay, here we go again. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, and then my, my number four, if I was doing a number four, it's not so much for his role in the movie. I just remember this movie so fondly. It's one of my favorite movies with one of my favorite songs is that thing you do. I never saw it. I never saw it. I well, love the I song. But... A, oh yeah. Great song. Great movie. Bit of a nostalgic uh, feel for me there. But I uh, really enjoyed that one. But I mean, I was going through the list of his movies, and I, I, obviously we all have different tastes. And you know, he had a lot of those movies in the '80s. He did Big Splash, Sleepless in Seattle. Then later on, of course, he did uh, You've Got Mail. Those were both with uh, Meg Ryan. Right. Philadelphia, uh, Apollo 13. Oh, good course, movie. Yeah. Yeah, he did the voiceover for Toy Story, which you know I think he did really well with. Uh, the Green Mile. Saving Private Ryan, oh, a lot of people mile. would have that. I never saw that, so that's part of the reason I don't have it up there, I don't think. But uh, a lot of other ones, too, as well. Sully was <laughs> right, Sully, yeah. I never saw Sully, but I, what I think of that, all I can think of is uh, a time uh, Norm MacDonald went on Conan, and uh, he said he did a sequel to Sully, the Sully movie. <laughs> and uh, all it is, basically, is he lands the plane on the on the tarmac. As, as you <laughs> that's the whole movie. <laughs> vintage norm mcdonald is one of my favorite little skits it's worth a look up if anyone's interested go find it on youtube okay uh, norm I, I Sully. yeah yeah anyway let's let's get back to the action and of course the monday nighter in week three was uh your cowboys going up against the giants and you know this was a game that was close from start to finish the giants had an opportunity to get to three and oh even later on in the game they they looked like they might just do that but uh, your Cowboys came away with the win. What were what were your thoughts on this game? Well, the game as a whole, this is what, you know, I think I think Daniel Jones is in his fifth year, if I'm not mistaken. This is his fifth year, and he's really no, not shown anything. But I'll tell you this. From that game alone, I'll tell you this. What, what I saw is that Daniel Jones can play quarterback in, in the NFL. I, I, was, I was really impressed because, you know, they showed a stat – I think it was somewhere in the third, late third or fourth quarter that showed that he had been pressured 21 times. The, and at that point, six sacks in the game. He had been sacked six times, pressured 21, and the very next snap was number 22. And as they were talking about it, the, the ball is snapped. He's pressured the 22nd time, the most in yep. his career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he threw for 196 yards. He ran for 79 and I thought the guy was poised. I thought he was accurate. And I think that if he has a season like that, they're two and one, that the Giants may be hard pressed to sign him because I think there'll be other interested parties because it's taken him a while. But I know it's only one game, but I was, I don't think he can be under more pressure than that. And I thought that was, that was really impressive. The Giants aren't as good as two and oh. Uh, they're, they're definitely not. I mean, he's, he's behind a line that's like Swiss cheese, but that's the number one take for me. Daniel Jones can play in the NFL. And I wouldn't have guessed that leading into this season. 
Yeah, well, Number I need two. your voice yeah. on that. I need your voice on that because I, I get it from I'm I'm known in my across my fantasy leagues as always taking some Daniel Jones shares, and uh, they always rip me for it. All my buddies. Uh, and I tell him, like, look, he's an underrated quarterback. I'm not saying he's Josh Allen, but, no, no. you know, he runs. The thing is, too, like, he's not a graceful runner, but he's an effective runner, which people really don't understand. He really does well to escape pressure and to see down the field when he can get a big gain. 80 yards rushing is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, oh, if not that was all. any other quarterback, we'd be talking about how great his rushing ability yep. is. No, I listen. I when you have, when you force a defense to put a spy on you, you force a defense to do that, which then handcuffs the defense. That's saying something, right? Yep. And there were times there when, and you saw that when he was not in the proper position to throw back foot, and he still put it right there. I was like, "What is this?" Like because this is not what I've seen before from Daniel Jones. And when you they had the close up of him after a play. He didn't look rattled. He didn't look. He was just like, okay, next play, next play, right? And he just he just was going on. And so I I think he is something that you can build a team around. And they better do it quick because he's already in his fifth season. And they're pitching it on the broadcast. They've whiffed heavily on their first round picks that they've chosen offensive linemen with. Not one of them has ever re-signed a second contract with the Giants. Not one of them have ever made the Pro Bowl. So there's there's something wrong there with the way that organization is being run because they they should be a better team than they are today. And when you talk about what's the most important team on a football team, or sorry, the most important position on a football team, it's the quarterback. And I think they have it. They just have nothing to support them with. And that's a shame because I think, uh, as you said already, he's underrated because he's on the Giants. That's it. And uh, like you said, that offensive line is pretty terrible. I won't uh, judge Evan Neal just yet. He is the rookie, the latest uh, lineman that right. they've taken early in the first round out of Alabama, the tackle. But uh, we'll see. Obviously, it wasn't an easy assignment for him either guarding a guy like Micah Parsons, who's just <laughs> yep. a, a hard guy to contain, let alone block on a... And, and listen, so is uh, so is Demarcus Lawrence. He's, not, he's still got something in the tank, and he, he schooled him pretty good. Um, so that's the number one thing that I was impressed with. Number two, that I already knew this. I've talked about this ad nauseum, but the Cowboys will not win with Dak Prescott. And I'm not saying Cooper Rush is the second coming, but if you watch that game, Cooper Rush, bing, 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 bing. Everything was a laser. Everything was right there. Even the pass to CeeDee Lamb that he dropped in the first half, right there. That was an egregious drop. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's it's the poise under pressure, the knowledge of the offense. And I'm not sitting here trying to trash Dak, but simply put, if you imagine yourself as a receiver going a 15-yard down and in, so you're going into the middle of traffic, and as you come out of your break and you know that you're the primary target, if I'm the receiver with Dak as my quarterback, I'm thinking, is the ball going to be there? Is the ball behind me? Do I have to be a defender? Do I get to catch it? Do I run full? Do I slow down? you don't get to play your position in a fluid manner. And I didn't see that. Listen, what did, what did Cooper rush have on Monday night? He had a rookie fourth round tight end. He had a free agent tight end. He had a CD lamb, a rookie wide out in Jalen Tolbert. He had nothing. He had nothing really to work with it, like an established NFL receiving core. And what did he do? 
I don't think we, when Dak comes back, he like that fourth and four play that they 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 went for it, and I said, "Don't snap the ball, don't snap the ball, don't snap the ball," and they snapped the ball. I'm like, I said, "I don't like this, I don't like this," and he threw a dart right between the eight and eight of C.D. Lamb to get the first down. If that's Dak Prescott, I give it a 50-50 chance at best that that play is made. Okay, because well, this I, is. I don't think. Sorry, I just I don't yeah. think when the ball leaves Dak's hand, he knows where is it going. And this is this is not something that just happened overnight. This has been consistent. And I do not understand, and I don't want to go on and on, but this is my rant. Why do you spend that amount of money on a position that is an is at that has been as inconsistent as Dak Prescott has been? I know he works really hard. I know he says the right things. I think he looks from my vantage point to be a, a good guy. I, a guy that you root for, you want to do well, but he can't do it. There's a reason he was a fourth round pick, you know, and uh, I think it's crazy that, the, that they've handcuffed themselves because a free agent quarterback like Cooper Rush shows you how it should be done. I think a little differently on this whole thing. I, I think as it stands now, Prescott still has the job and it's going to take more than wins. In, in my opinion, it's going to take more than Cooper Rush leading the Cowboys to victories. I think he's got to lead them to victories and put up big numbers if he's going to have any shot of supplanting Dak Prescott. Uh, because Prescott has put up big numbers in this offense. Uh, Rush has not yet. Now, I'm not saying he won't. But I just, it's one of those things where people are debating also the backfield between Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. A lot of people think Pollard should be the lead guy. I don't necessarily think that either, but uh, it seems like the Cowboys are, are searching for an identity a little bit here between their quarterback play, their running back play. I, I think, you know, that that drop by C.D. Lamb was, you know, an aberration, I'll call it. I think C.D. Oh, Lamb sure. is one of the brightest young wide receivers in the game. Uh, I'm not going to hang that on him. I don't think it's a sign of things to come from him. I think he'll be fine, but they are banged up and... You know, we we need we're going to need to see how this all plays out. But I'm just not sure Rush is going to be able to supplant Prescott without adding big numbers, as as uh, trite as that may seem. I, I think he's got to produce those 300 yard, three touchdown games. If when Dak comes back, there's going to be a serious conversation about him taking over. The only thing I would say against that, though, Pete, is that they've changed their philosophy. Because if you remember. Um, Rush's first start last October 31st in Minnesota, he threw for over 300 because they threw a whole lot more than they're doing now. And they were at one point there in the third quarter, they were 50, 50 runs to pass plays. And that never happened since Kellen Moore has been the uh, offensive coordinator. So if they come back with Dak and they stay with this, I don't think you'll see the numbers because the, the numbers to me with Dak are a little bit misleading because when you throw the ball 49 times in a game and your completion percentage is only in the 50s, but you've hit a lot of long passes, you're at 379 yards. And so let me ask you this. Would you rather have a quarterback that throws for 350 every game or a quarterback that wins every game? Yeah, absolutely. I'll take the wins. But yeah. there's there's usually is some correlation between the two. There usually is, but I think it's going to be interesting because the philosophy has changed and it didn't really show itself in week one because they were down all the time. So they were trying to come back, trying to come back. But when they can control the game a little bit and, and stay within the, the path, they ran both the, the running backs almost um, the same amount of times. 
And uh, Pollard actually had the bigger run, so he ran 13 times for 105. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Elliott actually ran the ball more, but he, uh, yeah, he ran it 15 times for 73. So I think um, this is what, I, I, to end this, this about the Cowboys, this is what I would personally like to see. I'd like to see him start, which I believe he will, against Washington this week. I'd love to see him play against the Rams because if he wins this week, which I think he should, that means he'll be 3-0 and this year, 4-0 and overall as a starter. I think the confidence is much higher now if he wins this Commanders game. He's now 3-0 and this season, and he's always thought, I can do this, but now he's shown he can do it. And if he goes against the Rams, if they let him play against the Rams and they beat the Rams in L.A., now we have a quarterback controversy because yeah, this is right what will they let him play against Rams? I don't think they will. That's personally what I would like to see them do is to let rush play against the Rams and boy, oh boy, would I love to see him beat the Rams so that we could really see, you know, I think, I think Dak Prescott needs a kick in the butt. I need to, I think he needs to see what the pressure feels like to keep my job. Cause maybe that's what he needs to get over the hump because we haven't got there yet. Yeah. Well, Cooper Rush looks like he will get another weapon this week with Michael Gallup set to return. So we'll see how he does with another weapon in the mix. Uh, just very quickly, I, I, I know we want to move on here, but uh, one of the big headlines from this past week was, uh, for me, was hearing Sean Payton say that for the right opportunity, he'd be back next year. Is this confirmation that he'll be coaching your Cowboys next year? Great question. I mean, I... <laughs> You're asking me to speculate on the mind of Jerry Jones. And, and so what if Mike McCarthy wins the NFC East this week, or sorry, this year? What if he actually wins a playoff game? What if they go to the NFC Championship game? Is Sean Payton still the coach next year? There's a good chance because it's just uh, it's just that, that thought process, right? But uh, But I don't know. McCarthy is just so nondescript. That's why it's hard to figure him out he's just very nondescript to me and i think there's some good things happening but we'll see how the season goes on but you've asked the question and i'll say this i think there's a 70 percent chance as we speak tonight that sean payton will be the head coach of the cowboys next year i would agree i think the chances are pretty high jerry jones the mind of jerry jones i think is hey i'm not getting any younger here it's been a while since our last super bowl i want to win one sean payton can win it for me I think he's going to be on the sidelines next year for Dallas. But, hey, time will tell. Let's move on. Game of the week, as we outlined last week, Bills-Dolphins. I said I just want the Dolphins to hold the Bills to 24, even 27 points, and I'll be happy. Lo and behold, the Dolphins held them to under 20 in a huge win at home. I'm thrilled to pieces. First time, you probably picked up on this stat during the game. This was the first time since 1993, back in the Marino-Kelly days, that the Dolphins and Bills were going head-to-head for sole position of first place in the AFC East. It's great to see these two teams back where they should be after 20 years of Belichick dominance in the division. And uh, even happier, I'm over the moon that we got the win over our bitter rivals, the Bills. It was a it was a very very interesting game, and the 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 one thing I am going to say off the top is the NFL has to seriously look at what time they schedule Miami Dolphins and Tampa Bay Bucks home games in September. 
because I thought it was a bit of a travesty, to be honest with you, that they're they're playing this game at one o'clock. Now it's, hold it's, on, now hold on, now we got to go back to Buffalo every December. Yeah, that's well. That's I mean, true. come on. But but nobody dies in the NFL from the reason why I say this is that we've had people die from heat exhaustion in the NFL. Corey Stringer, an offensive lineman, years ago with the Vikings. And I just thought it was a little dangerous, to be honest with you. Uh, obviously, the Bills were not as prepared as the Dolphins because they didn't suffer as much. But, I mean, you saw some of these big O-linemen, and it was to me it was a little scary what what they looked like. And so that that's something I think that, that needs to be adjusted. Again, I was impressed with both teams. But to be honest with you, I think I was impressed with Buffalo a little bit more. Because during the game, as you saw, they lost right tackle, right guard, center. And these guys come in, and before long, you know, they showed what shape they're in, and it wasn't very good. Like, nobody was in good shape on Buffalo. You know, to, to watch Josh Allen throw 63 times, <laughs> 63 times told me, number one, Buffalo needs a running game to offset that. No no quarterback should be throwing 63 times in a game. But leading his team in rushing. Yes, exactly. So it was it was a little much. The other thing that you shared with me this week, and I don't know if we talked about it, but we talked about it off air perhaps, was the throwing motion of Tua. And you shared with me a video of somebody who mirrored him when he was playing the week before the Buffalo game against Baltimore. And when you mirror it, what that means is that now when Tua is throwing, he's throwing right-handed. Because to me, his throwing motion as a pro, now, now listen to this, as a pro, I've always thought he's a bit wonky, but I watch clips of him in college and it doesn't look wonky to me. And I don't understand that. Is it the uniform? I have no idea. But to get back to the point, you shared that video with me of his play being mirrored. So now he's playing as a right-hander and he looked like um, Lamar Jackson to me. He threw yeah. like Lamar Jackson. I wrote you and I said, now I know what Lamar Jackson would look like if he was left-handed. Because that's exactly what it looked like to me. Yeah, and even even more so on this, uh, you might remember, I, I can't remember if it was the third or fourth quarter. I think it was the fourth quarter when Allen had the open receiver at the corner of the end zone and he underthrew him. Somebody mirrored that play to make him throw left-handed. And then they said, imagine this was Tua. And, and the throw looks terrible, even yeah. worse as a left-hander. Yeah. I think it's just something in our optics that we're just not used to seeing a left-handed quarterback. But it looks it looks ten times worse than it was. It does. It tr- truly does. When you when you sit there and you look at it, you're just kind of amazed how you know, like wow, like that that looks fluid. That looks okay. You know what I mean? But um, but anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a great game. I really think, you know, like like that throw that you're just talking about that Allen missed, that could have won the game for them. And the thing that I think that that Miami has to keep in in mind here is that they were left their offense was left off the field for almost half of it. And when you're doubled in yardage, total yards 497 to 212, you got to consider that you you deserve the you, you deserve the win. Do you ever deserve a win? I think. Go ahead, go ahead, lay it on me. No, no. I think I think what they have to keep in mind is that that's one of those ones they could have lost. That's one of the ones they could have lost. Now you you say, well, you could lose every game, yeah. But when you look at the numbers, if you take away the score of the game and just look at the numbers, you go, oh, Buffalo cleaned their clock. 
because it just how do you how do you stay on the field that long and not win the game? So Buffalo, um, yeah, this is one I think is going to haunt them a little bit because they they should have could have right down to the end. But hey, you got to give resiliency marks to Miami because they stayed in the game, stayed in the game, stayed in the game, and then they held. You know, bad throw or yep. not, they held at the end. So they they take a lot of good things away, and I think any win, especially against a division rival like this, it's going to boost your confidence. So maybe you weren't at your best this week, but you're like, hey, we beat Buffalo. Like, we got something here. So you, you kind of get to a point, you know, during this week that we're in right now, leading into week four, and you say, we have something to build on here. Are we going to work? Are we going to Are we going to move together? And, and get this thing done, or are we just going to sit on our laurels? So the next few weeks for Miami, again, for me, is a team to watch to see, is this something that just they're satisfied with week three win, or is it going to catapult them going forward? Yeah, I really do think that the Dolphins have uh, their eye on the prize this year. But just going back, I, you may be a better humanitarian than me because when I saw those Bills players dropping like flies, <laughs> I was just like, that's great. You can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. <laughs> but I, I will say, you know, and I didn't like the way from a Dolphins perspective, I understand, listen, Buffalo, the reason Ken Dorsey busted his tablet after the game Okay, and I think that looks great on him and great on the Bills, by the way. But the reason he did that, I heard Josh Allen give an interview after try to explain it away. I'm sorry. He's pissed because he lost, but he's also pissed because they executed the game plan just like they planned to. They wanted to control the clock. They wanted the Dolphins' defense on the field. They wanted the Dolphins' offense kept off the field. They did all those things. They did exactly what they set out to do, and they lost. And I'll tell you what, that Dolphins defense is no joke. That was bend but don't break defense. I hated the way, as a Dolphins fan, I hated the way we gave away two touchdowns to start the game because our defensive coordinator on both occasions went with an all-out blitz. Now listen, you want to blitz one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the game, go for it. But all-out blitz inside your five, you're begging for a touchdown to be scored against you. I hated those calls, but I did like the aggressive play calling in general. We did get Josh Allen off his game. You might say I'm crazy because he put up big numbers, but he was not comfortable back there in that pocket. We put hits on him. We forced quick throws, incompletions. That one in the touchdown was a perfect example of that. I loved how our defense hung in there in that heat, playing two-thirds of the game, and coming up with a huge stop at the very end to secure the victory. Big props to the Dolphins' defense as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, when you're on the field that long, are you kidding? You, you, how do you not give them big props? I mean, it's, uh, it was it was unbelievable. Like, to think about the heat being, like, on the field 100 and at times over 100 Fahrenheit. And to to still have something in the tank to hold them at the end, that that alone was uh, was pretty impressive. I I'm looking forward to the rematch, and I haven't looked ahead when they play each other in Buffalo. Is that like November, or December? Oh, it's December, of course. December 18. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, I'm I'm gonna mark that on the calendar because I am looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, it's gonna be a good one. And and again, two teams that um, you know I'm interested in watching week in and week out because I think they're they they have the ability to to be something this season. So they're, they're going to be on the radar every week to see what they do. 
We'll, we'll come back to both these two teams before we're done here. But uh, let's move on to the Packers-Bucks. You know, you and I talked a bit last week. This was Rodgers, Brady. Both teams, though, struggling. Uh, we talked about the uh, uh, the struggles of both teams. And, and uh, you know, I can't say I'm surprised that this was a close game or a low-scoring game. It wasn't a great game to watch. But I'm particularly interested to find out from you how you thought the two quarterbacks fared in this one. Well, I think the first thing you got to, you know, you said low scoring. And I think the first thing you got to realize is that both these teams have pretty good defenses. Like they, they, you know, like they, they're nothing to sneeze at. I mean, you got Rogers throwing for 255, Brady for 271. So neither cracked 300. And uh, I thought that the schemes were, it was, if you don't like defense, this game was extremely boring, extremely boring. But I will say on the completions that you saw from uh, – I'm really big on accuracy. I really judge a quarterback these days under pressure. Can you put the ball where it needs to be on a consistent basis? And the two quarterbacks in my lifetime of watching football that I thought had the most fluid uh, arm motion and the ball would just rip out of their arm and it just was effortless – have been, it's funny we talk about left-handers, but for me it was Steve Young and Randall Cunningham. Not a fan of either team, but especially Randall. That arm, that long arm, it just, the ball was tight all the time and it was where it needed to be. And so I I really think in this blitz-happy NFL that accuracy is so important. And both these guys, man, can they put the football where it needs to be? So that really stood out to me. And um, the other thing that really stood out to me, though, that in a, in a tight uh, defensive battle like we're talking about, I mean, when you look at the rushing, okay, their leading rusher for, uh, for Tampa Bay, Fournette, he only rushed the ball 12 times. And between Jones and Dylan of the Packers, it was a combined 24, 12 each. But you know and I know that 12 carries for a running back is not enough to get it going. It just, it just doesn't happen. It's not consistent. It's just not the way it works. And so I don't know why they didn't try to wear down the defenses with one back rushing it more consistently. That, that was the part that I thought, okay, change it up. Like show them that you're going to be stare at the line and push them back. And then you can go to play action, but it just didn't seem to materialize for both teams. Yeah, I thought both quarterbacks played admirably. I wouldn't say they were on top of their game. I mean... For Brady, how could you be at the top of your game with your top three wide receivers out of the mix? <laughs> Bringing guys onto the field that have just joined the team, for crying out loud. Uh, I don't want to judge either of them too harshly, but, you know, I thought their Russell Gage probably came up uh, pretty big for the Bucks, but neither team could really get a lot going. I thought Aaron Rodgers just managed things just that little bit more than Brady, though, I would say. I thought he was just a half step ahead of Brady, put his team in a little bit better situations at the end of the day. And, you know, lo and behold, they came away with the win. But I think both these teams are going to struggle moving forward. I just, I don't see uh, the Packers having that same stranglehold on this division that they've had for so long under Aaron Rodgers. I think both the Vikings and the Lions are going to give them problems this year. And, I, you know, I'm not sure if there is a team in the NFC South that can give the Bucks a problem. But in the grand scheme of things, in the NFC, there are teams that can give them a problem. Oh, and I, sure. I don't, I just, I'm, I don't really think too highly of either one of these teams moving forward. I gotta say. 
Well, it's it's. I think they have a defense, and so it'll be interesting to see if the offense, especially for Tampa, if they can get. I think they brought up. Um, they're bringing up Beasley off the practice roster. I think he's going to play this week. You know, is he going to add anything to the mix with? Uh, are he and Brady going to be able to add some chemistry? It's going to be interesting. But I agree with you. It's. Uh, they just don't have the weapons. Either team we're talking right now have the weapons in the receiving core like they used to. So it could be uh, it could be difficult. All right, another game I had my eye on for a couple of reasons, and you know, I really got to be in my bonnet about this one. But the Broncos and 49ers, you know, two solid football teams. This should be a marquee matchup. Now, obviously, Trey Lance went down, but Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's been around and he's been a starter in this offense. And I, I got to say, I was just left completely wanting watching this game. You talk about defensive football. I'm all for defensive football. But I am talking about a, an embarrassing display of football in this game. Inept, incompetent, and both teams, I thought, exhibited a dearth of determination. How about that? I just was, was left wanting with this game, and especially from the Broncos' side of things. I, I just don't understand how you can have so many weapons. And and that's a solid offensive line, too. This is not a, a Giants O-line that Russell Wilson's dealing with or that head coach Hackett is dealing with here. It, it just baffles my mind how this offense can be so terrible. Well, it, I agree. They, they, they just have not found themselves. Like with a new quarterback in there, and, and I don't know if it's the style of play of Russell Wilson, but it's – that doesn't really make sense to me because Russell, Russell Wilson is not a um, outlandish or a tough guy to follow. I don't think, you know, he's, he's pretty, pretty standard if you will. And so the Broncos just look like they're in the first two weeks of preseason, you know, how a preseason game looks when they bring out the four stringers for the fourth quarter in the first or second game. That's what the Broncos look like to me right now. Yeah. I, I think there's brighter days ahead because, as you said, there's just far too many weapons, and I think they'll find themselves. I mean, hey, they're lucky to be two and one because they, they you know, they just they've looked really bland and terrible, and like just yeah. I I mean, this game was eleven ten. What else do you want to say, right? Eleven ten. Okay, and it's not just that it was a defensive battle either. The, it was messy, as you said. The 49ers committed three turnovers, and the Broncos, they lead the NFL after three weeks in penalties. They've committed 30 penalties over the course, and that's just the penalties that were accepted. That's right. That's right. Penalties that were declined or offset or anything like that. 30 accepted penalties against for this team. I, and I'm telling you, you look at penalties like that, that's coaching. That's coaching, and you, you, how can you not be frustrated if you're a Broncos fan or even a football fan? And I, I have to admit, part of my frustration here is I got Russell Wilson in a couple of my football pools. It's driving me crazy how he's not done anything. But you, you can't help but look, and I hate to reference my team again, but you know Mike McDaniel's a first-time head coach in Miami, and he has completely changed how this offense is run, and they look great. You've got Denver. They got Cortland Sutton. They got Jerry Judy. They got a two-headed monster in the backfield with Javante Williams and MG3. And then they bring in Russell Wilson. I mean, how can this not work? It just doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. It it it, it really doesn't. But you know what? You're talking about penalties and all these penalties. Do you think that the coaching staff addresses these things week to week? Well, when they're bad, I mean, 
and just to just to go a little further on that, th- these thirty penalties include seven false starts and four delay of game penalties, and they've yeah. had two home games. Okay, right. so yeah. what's the deal here? You can't even operate your your offense in front of your home team, your home crowd. <laughs> what is yeah, that? Yeah, no. I, listen, I know it, it's it's to me the word when teams are penalized over and over again is discipline. You've been watching the the uh, the Dolphins. Connor um, Williams, left guard. Has he been called for many penalties this year? No. You know, like that's why I was glad to see him leave the Cowboys because this guy was caught holding all the time. Okay. <laughs> okay. So so here's here's two things. Number one with penalties, discipline. Are you doing the same things over and over again? And to be honest with you, I think certain teams show up more than others. I think they could call holding on every play. And I think certain teams, if it's close, they're going to get flagged. Other teams are not. Now, do I think it's a conspiracy? No, I don't. I just think it's the way it is. Because you're telling me, and I'd have to look it up because I haven't, that Connor Williams hasn't been uh, flagged for one holding penalty all season. If he hasn't, there's something to what I'm saying. Because this guy had had uh, stick him on his hands. He couldn't let go of a jersey. He never saw a jersey of an opposing player he didn't like. So I, I just I just would be interested about that and something I will look up when we're off. But I just think that, um, you know, sometimes it gets in their heads, these penalties and the, what they're doing. And I say, I, got, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do it. And they do it. And I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's, it's very frustrating to see the laundry flying all the time. And, and, you know, teams constantly shooting themselves in the foot. It, it just doesn't make for good football. No, it doesn't. And, uh, you know, I have to think that the Broncos will turn this around. I think the 49ers will get better too. But it's just, you know, in, and in that division especially. Now, again, you said they're fortunate to be 2-1. and one, and, and if they could have just taken care of business in Seattle, I know it's a tough game. It's in Seattle and everybody you know wants to beat Russell Wilson and all that but they are clearly the better football team and that's a that's a game they should have won quite frankly you know you don't you don't go in there and say no disrespect to the Seattle Seahawks we know it's a big game it's a season opener Russell Wilson back in town all that stuff but we're a better team let's get the W and get out of here if they had just done that, they'd be sitting at three and zero, having played some really bad football. Well, that's I mean, pretty. That's pretty amazing when you say that, right? Like, no, yeah. seriously, Denver could be three and zero, and they've looked like uh, a pretty good college team at best. Not a great college football team, pretty good. You know what I mean? They just they they're just nondescript. They just they have not found themselves, and as as you've already stated, far too much talent not to. So I think you're going to see better things for Denver. You have to. It's going to be, it's going to be absolutely mind blowing if we never see the Denver Broncos like you picture the Denver Denver Broncos being because it it's it's all there. So why isn't it happening? Yeah, and and they've been lucky in more ways than one. You know, the Chargers haven't gotten out of the blocks well. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. They're one and two to start the season. The Chiefs just lost this week to the Colts. That was unexpected. The Raiders look terrible. They're 0-3. They're very fortunate to be sitting 2-1 and and have a share of the division lead at this point. But they got to get better fast. This this conference is too good. You know, even with a seventh team that makes the playoffs now, not just six, they still can't afford to be playing this style or this level of football and, and I got to wonder if Hackett, how soon is he going to be on the hot seat? Like, I know it's only just started, but I mean, come on. You just can't have this. You can't have no. it. No, 
no it it's it's you know what like the 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 what's going on in Vegas right now tells you there's certain coaches that should stay coordinators and Josh McDaniels should never be a head coach. I don't know why he really got a second chance because anybody who screwed up Denver as bad as that guy did, you know, you want to say, oh, well, I guess he learned that. Well, he hasn't learned much. That's obvious. I He'd be lucky to, you know, he might be gone before season's end if this continues in Vegas. And um, it can be done. It can be done, but you got to have coaches that uh, figure out how to how to get it done. And We'll see what happens in Denver, but I was never a huge fan of his dad, Paul Hackett. So we'll see how this all boils out in uh, Denver. Yeah, we'll see. All right, let's uh, let's start to move ahead then, and, and just uh, some quick hitters here to to close us off. You know, one of the surprising teams so far is the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're two and one, and in sole place of first place, the sole share of the lead in the AFC South. They look pretty good. Under Doug Peterson, you gotta you gotta admit, what are the chances? The Colts haven't looked great, the Titans haven't looked great, and of course the Texans aren't a good football team. Give me a percentage here. What's the chances the Jacksonville Jaguars win the AFC South? 50-50. Now, the reason why I say that is because we're into the second year of Trevor Lawrence. Uber talented, like really talented guy. But he to me right now is Josh Allen in his second year and Josh Allen was getting better, but he was not what we see today. And so the inconsistencies would kill the bills. And I think Trevor Lawrence, unless he's able to quickly overcome the inconsistencies of a second year quarterback, Jacksonville has a lot of upside and a lot of good things. And next year, if we're sitting here talking, I think we're going to be talking very, very favorably about the Jacksonville Jaguars but it's the inconsistencies that leave me wondering. I'm very interesting, you know, in talking about that. Doug Peterson and his Jaguars go into Philly. They sure do. A very is- good team. I'm watching that game because how has he prepared that young football team against the hot Eagles team? That's going to say quite a bit. Yeah, it it will. And I'll tell you what, if he manages to go back to Philly and win with this Jaguars team, that you talk about confidence builders. That is going to set their season ablaze if they can go into Philly the way that the Eagles have been playing this year. And if they come out of there with a win, look out for the Jaguars. I think those chances, you call it 50%, I'd I'd be right around there too. I'd say that's going through the roof if they beat the Eagles. I'm with you. I agree with that. I agree with that because winning, it's a cliche, but it's so true. And that's why it's a cliche. Winning breeds confidence. And uh, if the confidence goes up, then uh, it's going to uh, it's going to be very telling for a young football team this early in the season. So it's uh, there's a lot of people choosing the Jaguars, eh? Have you seen that? There's a really? lot of teams picking the Jaguars for this. They there's I've read that from a number of sources that the two three and O teams, Dolphins and Eagles, many people are saying are going to be three and one at the end of the week. I don't really buy that, but uh, we will see. And uh, that the um, Sorry, the Jaguars-Eagles game is more intriguing to me than than Dolphins-Bengals uh, because I don't think Bengals have been able to figure it out yet. But this this game we're talking about right now, very intrigued about the Eagles and uh, Jaguars. Well, I'll tell you what, Jaguars only team in the AFC South right now with a winning record, only team with a plus-minus in, in the uh, affirmative side there yeah. of things. They're a plus-46 on the year. 
nobody else is uh, in the pluses at all there. They've all had more points scored against than uh, points for. You mentioned Philly and Jacksonville this week. What other games are you looking forward to? Uh, I want to see how both the Chiefs and Buccaneers rebound on Sunday night after, well, the Chiefs especially after that loss. So just interested to see if they've got anything going. And again, the team I'm rooting for, uh, just very quickly after their their uh, week two win, did you see the locker room, Lions locker room tape of that that uh, offensive lineman, Dan Skipper, that has been a journeyman and he, he was been a tackle and they started him at guard and he wow. had a pretty good game. Did you see the, the clips of it? I mean, I missed it. You got to see it because this yep. guy's name is Dan Skipper. He's number 70. He's never, he was his first NFL start after six years. And you talk about loving a coach. I love, I, I loved him as a tough tight end when he played, but uh, Dan Campbell, I love him. I love the atmosphere on that. Former Miami Dolphin. Yep. Yep. Former <laughs> Dallas Cowboy. And yeah. uh, former New York Giant. But um, just, just, he's building something there. He's yeah. building something there. Sure and is, so yeah. uh, can they can they get back to 500 against a Seahawks team that's, you know, mediocre at best? And so there, there's the games that, that I'm really looking forward to uh, to seeing. And, hey, listen, people are, are saying the Dolphins on the road in Cincinnati on, on uh, Thursday night is, uh, is a lose situation for them. I don't believe so, but we'll see uh, come Thursday night. Okay, well, I'm looking for, you mentioned two teams looking to bounce back. I'm looking at the Bills this week. How are they going to come back after losing to the Dolphins at Baltimore? This uh, this is an MVP preview here as far as I'm concerned. Between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, I think this is going to be a great game. But, you know, this is going to be a tough game, too, for the Bills. They don't want to lose two in a row. But that's not going to be easy going into Baltimore and get a win there. I'm also looking at the Broncos against the Raiders because I need one of these teams to show me something. Neither of them look good at all. Let's see somebody come through this week with a big win from uh, that game. And let's uh, let's finish it off here. We were talking about Dolphins, Bengals. Give me a pick of who you got in that game. With either of those quarterbacks, I think Dolphins win. I just think the Bengals are just a little bit hungover from the Super Bowl loss last year. They still have not rebounded. I know it's at home there in Cincy, but uh, I think coming off of, uh, of that big win, and it's going to say a lot about the Dolphins, irregardless of the quarterback play uh, or who's under center is what I should be saying. That's a game they need to win. They need to win and say, yep, we are for real. We're going to keep it going. And especially when there's teams – expecting or, or prognosticators expecting them to lose. I think based uh, kind of not only enough whether or not Tua plays, but also based on the fact they're coming off that big Buffalo win that they're going to fall flat. I, I don't think so. I don't think they will. And so uh, I, I take the dolphins in that one. Yeah. You know, for me, this one really does come down to the health of the Miami dolphins uh, to a, uh, at the forefront of that, because I mean, I don't want to judge Teddy Bridgewater too harshly, but uh, he didn't look very good at all in his brief time in the game when Tua had to exit there on Sunday and uh, Jalen Waddle as well is questionable. So if those guys play and they're healthy, I'm going to keep riding with my dolphins, but the Bengals do concern me. You know, they got off the, the schneid a little bit in terms of their confidence by beating up on the jets this past week. And so I can really see uh, Joe Burrow and the, and the Bengals coming back in this one, but I'm going to stay, I'm going to ride my dolphins until we lose. So I'm going with the dolphins too. Colin. Thanks so much once again for coming on with me. We'll look forward to having you back on later in the year. 
Thanks, Pete. It was a lot of fun. All right. And for all you listeners out there, enjoy this week's action. And until next time, take it easy. 